0: Bullshit edition of Spin Cycle, the media show that tries to make sense of the chaos that is our 24 hour news cycle. We are broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kula Nation, lands for which sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I'm Jess Lilly, and in the studio with Crikey reporter Charlie Lewis. Hey Charlie. Good evening, Jess. In 10 minutes, we're going to be chatting with Guardian reporter Matilda Bosley about how news organisations are grappling with attracting a younger audience. And we have a sort of a two-parter, a two-hander this hour. (laughs) The first half, (laughs) we're talking about the next gen, how the youth are going to reshape the news. And in the second half, we're looking at how the boomers are just uh, fucking it up. (laughs)
1: I wouldn't put it quite that crudely, but there's definitely a very, there's a very distinct generational uh, split in today's show.
0: And look, we're not, um, being, uh, we're not being ageist. Boomer is a state of mind. So, um, please don't, if you are listening to Triple R, I hazard a guess that you are not necessarily in that category, but I cannot speak for all of you, (laughs) but thank you for listening. Please don't tune out. Um. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. Um, I, I'm sort of um, working on a project at the moment, which is uh, in my other life, um, for um, you know, which is is looking at um, bullying and teenagers, and um, we're developing some a kind of anti-bullying campaign. And I, I've been talking to a lot of teenagers about how they consume media, and not one consumes <laughs> any kind of you know, publication or traditional right, right. media. There's yeah. no, like, if you go, oh, so do you listen to Triple J? <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: I reckon asking that question with that tone of voice is the exact way that you know that you're not a Triple J listener anymore.
0: <laughs> They're just like, no. It's all Snapchat, TikTok. Um, right, right. And we'll we'll be talking to Matilda about that, obviously, because she does, uh, she has sort of pioneered this video journalism. Yeah, she's like journalism. a real,
1: real distinct niche in, in Australian media with, that.
0: But others are struggling. Um, if you look at, um, you know, there are a lot of people try instead of in- integrating kind of youth media, starting their own, like a lot of these legacy publishers.
1: Yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, whilst we were on holidays, um, the Oz quietly folded, yeah, and the, yeah. the Oz was the Australian's youth imprint. Um, which which set up you know some some snappy graphic graphic design and seven staff and it was a you know um, a, a website within the Australian and it charged people eight dollars ninety five a month
1: yeah I mean <laughs> to subscribe there, there, there is I mean I think you know in some ways you can really. Uh kind of understand and appreciate, I suppose, attempts from legacy media to try and engage yeah. young people in news. It's it's, in, it's actually an important thing to you do. You have to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, partly to survive and partly because it's important that people are informed. I think it was, I think it shows the folly slightly of thinking that you can just sort of take the model that has existed for all this time and just sort of put a patina of youth slang and mm. culture over the top of it mm. and think that you can then, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, as you say, if they're not, Consuming any one publication. What's going to make someone of that age subscribe and give money to a publication? It's a very. It's. It seems like you should at least build a name before you are trying asking kids for money for news.
0: And also to fold within a year suggests that there wasn't. You know, it wasn't exactly a huge. It wasn't a shift in. You know, a, a real commitment to grow the grow that.
1: No, no, it's a funny one. I mean, because it's uh, the, the, some of the sort of I suppose uh, behind the scenes politics of that. Uh, it's sort of. It, it from what I understand from the reporting that happened at the time, uh partly in the Garden Australia, partly partly in Craigie and other places, it was a very much a sort of passion project of the Australian's former editor-in-chief, Christopher Dorr, mm. who obviously had to uh leave his role um at the end of last year under uh sort Christmas of some party
0: shenanigans. Yes, yeah, some,
1: some allegations, a bit of a cloud. Uh Michelle Gunn, who had previously been the Australian's editor and has, has sort of stepped up into his job. It seems like it was her first move to be like yeah, this isn't really working. Let's 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 give that. Um, they and then they re, redeployed all the staff of the Oz across <laughs> the rest of Australia, which we did think was. Um... Imagine
0: if you, if you'd, um, you know, if you were really into um, youth reporting and that was your niche and that's what you wanted to do and you know, here's an opportunity
1: to be... <laughs> Part of this exciting... S- new Yeah, yeah start
0: mm-hmm. at the foundation, start at the ground and help build up this exciting new youth publication. And then don't worry, well, no one's going to lose their job, but you're going to the Australian puzzles yep. section.
1: You're, you're <laughs> going to report on franking credits and why they can never be touched, yeah. Um, uh, uh, but also, let's just <laughs> say, partly, there's just the grim financial outlook for, for journalism in general in this country. And obviously, you know, we talked to, to my colleague, Cam Wilson about the the troubles being faced by places like Junkie as well, mm. uh, and I suppose it's a difficult thing. I mean, there is that that sort of um, one of the kind of inbuilt problems with with specific you know quote unquote youth media is that you are you're targeting a cohort that by its definition, it, you know leaves you after about three years because mm. they stop being that age group, and you have to suddenly find out the new rules for people who just turned sixteen. Well, it's like you, th- you that's
0: know. why they had to. They had to um, launch Double J, didn't they? Because yeah, they yeah, couldn't yeah. keep firing all of their announcers <laughs> when they aged when out they t- of Triple J. It's yeah, like yeah. God, we have trained you all, and you're just all going to go off to, you know, smooth their yeah, yeah. family. But, but need... also,
1: I suppose you're, you're, you're taking the, the talent with you, but also you're taking the the audience because people of, of people of our age group still listen to the radio and still yeah. like Double J and want to hear it.
0: <laughs> um, uh, yeah I mean I think that's interesting too the the there's a real tension between legacy media actually um you know um protecting their reporting with paywalls and um mm-hmm. you know a subscriber model but um youth or youth media it, it, that's just not an option when you're talking to generations who have had and all their kind of uh, information and entertainment at their fingertips for yeah, free.
1: for free, absolutely. And and it is, I mean, it, it, there, is a, there was a specific irony in The Australian of all places doing that because they were the publication that quite famously um, under Chris Mitchell kind of explicitly went, why are we chasing... I, I can't remember the exact way that he phrased it in, in I believe, a, a book of his. It's like, what, why chase uh, ever sort of splitting clicks among progressive and young people who are never going to pay the product... Let's explicitly target older, wealthier, more conservative readers. They're the guys who are going to keep paying for papers for the foreseeable future. So it's interesting that they thought they could try and find some of those in a younger cohort.
0: Mm.
1: They, could, they, they clearly did not.
0: I could imagine some of their columnists um, experiencing some very distinct Schadenfreude when.
1: Yeah, um, the it, Oz... I mean, again, in the reporting, some people who. Quite understandably, remained nameless. Did say that they welcomed the the collapse of the, the Oz with open arms,
0: so. um, tarring their own um, reputation. Uh, any anything happened this week, Charlie? That we need to chat about before we give Matilda a call. Any um, news of the week that you want to bring up? I mean, there's been a. I mean.
1: Politically, there has been a ton going on in this last week, which uh, we almost don't really have time to get into, obviously, the the uh, resignation from the Greens from Lydia Thorpe and the huge kind of...
0: Well, the, the one thing I'll say about that is um, I have never seen such... Um, Furrow browed concern about um, <laughs> party room due diligence at the Greens in the Greens from from um, some establishment opinion you know writers yes, and yes. it's mm. like all of a sudden.
1: It's a they, massive deal, yeah. Yeah,
0: and it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, it's, it's, We've seen how yeah. you've treated the Greens all the way up to this point.
1: Mm, mm. And, uh, yeah, no, and I think, you know, obviously there is there is a it, – it is – you can set your watch by it. Of course every, the usual suspects are going to come out and um, try and make political hay out of this. It was very funny um, – seeing that Pauline Hanson was like, chaos in the Greens. It's like, how many of your senators quit before they even did their first speech? (laughs) The the way
0: some people are reporting on it, it's as though though it hasn't happened before. before. And it's like, hang on a second, it's happened to every single party. Yeah, 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 exactly. The Liberals last year, you know, like it's not, this is not unusual. Julia Banks,
1: Corey Bernardi, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, No, And and then, of course, today we saw um, that Alan Tudge is uh, going to quit Parliament. And again, that's a real sort of testament to the effect. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, we can take him at face value that he probably does want to spend more time with his family, but I can't imagine (laughs) the revelations that came out of the utter callousness and media manipulation that came out of uh, RoboDebt from the recent Royal Commission didn't have some impact on... um,
0: His evidence, the way he gave evidence was just shocking.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was all shocking. I mean, the, you know, uh, we uh, again, we we, we, could, we could we could spend an entire episode talking about about this, but um, the, the, his staffers as well. There was a coldness about mm. that process, which I thought was um, yeah, chilling. Triple R. So Matilda Bosley is a Melbourne-based reporter for Guardian Australia. She's previously worked for The Age and 7 News Melbourne, and in 2019 she won a Young Walkley Award for her coverage of young women's issues and Australia's animal activist communities. We are delighted to have her with us tonight. Matilda, welcome. Hi there. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. So, I mean, you, uh, for, for, for the readers, for our listeners who don't know, obviously you've carved out quite a distinct sort of niche, I suppose, in the Australian media landscape in terms of what you're best known for, your kind of TikTok, I guess, recaps of a lot of uh, big issues that affect the nation. Um, Can you talk to us a bit about how that role kind of first came about?
2: Yeah, look, it was... um, I had seen uh, one or two newsrooms on TikTok from the US, uh, but they were doing quite different things. They were sort of doing more behind-the-scenes content of what newsrooms are, uh, are like and things like that. And it just struck me that, well, like, the over the pandemic, I had really watched TikTok transform from a place that, you know, had, you know, trends and, you know, I, I hate how I always just calls it the dancing app, but, you know, that <laughs> was a lot of the content. But then there were the conversations that were starting to pop up there were really reminded me, I guess, of the conversations and the political kind of conversations that people were having, you know, back on Tumblr and day, where it's like a lot of teenagers trying really hard to understand what's going on. And I remember being, you know, 14 and trying to figure that out. And it just sort of occurred to me that it really would have been kind of a, a good vibe back in the day, on <laughs> you know, in my version of that, to have a voice, from, you know, a place where, you know, there's fact-checking and there's context and, and, you know, there's as much as it is possible to exist, you know, sort of um, unbiased reporting and things like that. And so, yeah, that that was sort of my main motivation in terms of just wanting to, I don't know, be the guide, you know, be the little voice that I kind of wish I had had back in the day. Um, and I yeah, I've made a couple of videos on my personal account. I took it to The Guardian and um, said that, you know, they agreed that it seemed like a cool idea and a good thing to do, and I was lucky enough that they sort of gave me the time to develop it and turn it into something, I guess.
0: I was going to ask you about that, because we've just been um, sort of chatting about, um, um, before we spoke to you, about how um, Legacy Media does grapple with um, trying to change course and and find new audiences, and... um, uh, they they don't tend to be particularly inventive <laughs> with the ways they do that. Was was there much? Did you have to do much convincing at the Guardian, or did you you know in terms of getting them on board to try this? Look, I think um, I was really lucky in terms of the Guardian
2: with it with us being you know the Australian branch and. I think, you know, generally being, you know, one of the newer newsrooms, I mean, we're ancient now, but um, newer newsrooms <laughs> in Australia, as well as being, you know, a, a website first and foremost, mm. I think I was quite lucky in the that there was a real willingness to kind of give new things a shot and to, I don't know, I guess, uh, even, even just kind of invest in the idea that speaking to youngish people—you know—it's not just teenagers who watch the TikToks by any means. I think that's a that's a kind of misconception about people have on the app. But you know, generally, the willingness to understand that speaking to that younger demographic is genuinely really important and can make a big difference. So I think you know, um, I kind of there was you know there was a bit of trial and error when we first began and we were figuring out exactly how the platform worked and all of that but yeah it was never um I was really lucky in the kind of willingness that um the Guardian had and you know we had a TikTok account previously but it was it was the place that we were mostly posting well exclusively posting sort of videos for for other platforms and stuff like that kind of cross-posting and news clips and you know a couple of us were doing it but um yeah the willingness to actually sort of uh have those kind of I guess posted, you know, uh, mm. videos where like, you have someone explaining it. Um, yeah, I think I was just genuinely really lucky that they were so open to it.
1: And in terms of, I suppose, that, that tone, that very distinct tone that you have, it's quite, quite conversational, it's sort of, it's it's funny, it has little asides and things like that. Very fast. <laughs> and, and speedy. <laughs> um, is that something that was sort of embedded in the, pro- like, was that embedded in the tone that you wanted to approach it with from the start or was that something that kind of developed more as you found the voice for what this particular Project was
2: um yeah, it was definitely something that developed. I remember I kind of had these ideas for what it could look like beforehand, and I was you know almost thinking like full like sketches or some idea, and I think it was mostly a uh, presence of I mean the talking fast uh, genuinely is just because there's only a minute <laughs> yeah. uh, or when I started it was only a minute and there's just a lot to fit in uh, so that ended up being very much more of a function of. Uh, you know, what needed to be done. But, um, you know, just as well as, you know, what is possible for one person to do in a sort of afternoon, as well as all the other things, and then slowly kind of figuring out what I wanted the tone to be and what I wanted kind of the function of the TikToks to be, which I kind of really see it as kind of not the be-all or end-all of the news, but something that people can stumble across that then, you know, really allows them to engage in that news conversation that, you know, so often I think with news what happens is you miss the first two or three days of a news story and suddenly none of the articles have any context in them and it's really confusing and you don't know what's going on and and i think where my tiktok kind of really serve a purpose is in allowing people to sort of jump back into that conversation a lot of the time um and so yeah that's something that's really kind of developed as i've worked on them
0: i think that that um the pace and also um really leaning into the kind of the um authenticity of the way people do post on tiktok Was um, was something that really um, grabbed me with your early reporting because it wasn't. It was very clear that you weren't just trying to take, you know, general news reporting the way that we know it, have known it forever, on TV and 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 put it on social media. Um, It was a new type of video journalism. At what point did you realise? Like, which story? I'm really interested to know. Was the one where you just went, "Oh, whoa, that's tipped over."
2: Uh, I guess it's tipped over into being a being its own thing, do you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's sort of,
0: you know, when it's kind of like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing it, people are taking it out of TikTok and on other platforms and the view, viewer numbers are actually astronomical.
2: Yeah, honestly, probably uh, I made a video about the Suez Canal um, back right. when it, yes. it got uh, clogged <laughs> up, which I still, like, I still believe that, you know, it's all been downhill since there. That was just the most, <laughs> that was the best news story. Um
1: that is, never comes just, again. And
2: I don't just mean, uh, you know, news, I mean the world in general. I think <laughs> that was the last good moment. Um, but, uh, and I remember, yeah, seeing it sort of, yeah, really shared round. I had another video that sort of Edward Snowden ended up, tweeting about and stuff like that there was was a couple of just bizarre mornings um, but you know that just that's a function of how the app works which is you know that you have your kind of core regular audience that keeps coming back and keeps seeing stuff and then, um, you know, sometimes things just
0: go They just get sucked into the vortex, yeah.
2: Yeah, and and go everywhere. And, look, I think uh, there was a couple of times where I then saw um, other newsrooms as well trying similar things and doing similar things, and that was kind of a big moment of pride for me, I guess, in terms Mm. of, you know, uh, it being seen as something important and worthy of doing and, you know, uh, not just kind of, I you know, not being seen as just, like, a gimmick or something like that or, you know, a, a way to get followers or something to social media, which is never yeah. the way I've, I've viewed it. I kind of i have always taken it. Probably, you know, I, I make a lot of jokes about spending most of my time on TikTok or whatnot, but, like, also taking it very seriously in terms of, of the, the function it serves, and I, and I hope it <laughs> does serve that function. So, yeah, there was – I think once I saw other Australian newsrooms – um kind of invest and, and look into that as well. That was kind of a, a good moment of, uh, yeah, that it's, it's um, you know, it's its own thing now.
1: And, and I suppose sort of following on from that, what more broadly have you made of kind of, I suppose, yeah, the, the youth-oriented news media in this country? I mean, we, we were talking uh, before we gave you a ring about, say, the Oz, the Australian's Youth Publication, which, which mm-hmm. closed down after less than a year. I mean, yeah, what have you made of their efforts in terms of, Kind of genuinely engaging with with young news consumers.
2: Yeah, look, I, I I'm in a lot of minds of this, and I also don't think that you know uh, it, it, this form is you know necessarily the pinnacle or the end or anything like that. But I think one of the things that I've been very conscious of is that you nowadays the biggest challenge to getting people to engage in your content is the cliff barrier, right? Like, mm-hmm. you we live in a centralised internet now. Everyone uses, you know, three websites, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then... God,
1: that's sobering. <laughs> yeah. I have not thought of it in those terms.
2: Um, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrifying on, like, a dystopia level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, on a news level, it was this sort of idea that I think a lot of people, when they're like, OK, let's speak to the young people, let's use... The exact media that we use yeah. for older demographics, which is mm. like, oh, well, let's make a young people's news TV show or a young, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, that's great. That's fantastic. There definitely needs to be that, but how are you going to get them to turn on the TV, which is one aspect. And I think part of the. TikTok was that this is a place that people are already hear and this is a place where there isn't that click barrier, there isn't that ability to just read the headline and scroll on uh, because it just naturally scrolls up. You know, someone just comes across your video and as long as you're interesting enough to, you know, prevent them from scrolling down to the next thing, um, you know, away after two seconds or whatnot, you've kind of got an audience for a minute, which is something that you just don't have when you've got a website that you're then using social media basically to feed out your content from like back to your website. Mm. Uh, You know, I think part of the part of what has made this successful for communicating with younger demographics is that it's there, you know, it's not, there's no second destination that people have to go. uh, So it's easy because people are time poor and also tired and they just, you know, want to be on TikTok for a while and, Educational content as fun as any other content. Uh, you just aren't necessarily
0: going to seek it out. Well, it's interesting that I mean, there's a whole generation who, you know, probably very rarely, if ever, do um, turn on a TV or um, a radio or read a newspaper <laughs> or even mm. a website. You know, there's it's social media. It's all apps. Um, and I'm interested, like, you have had quite a varied career in terms of you've you've been to a lot of touch points. You started as an intern at the ABC. You, you were also the editor at your student um, news online website, Mojo, and we've spoken to some uh, – we spoke to some Mojo mm. graduates um, last year around reporting on the election. Um, you've been at The Age, Channel 7 um, – Having sort of seen that kind of view of the media landscape, has it always been something? Has innovation always been something that you've wanted to develop? You know, do is that something that you strive for? I'm just interested to know because you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pressure. I think for journalism graduates to just learn how it's done and then find their place in the existing infrastructure. Um, Yeah, Um, I'm not sure it was that. Conscious. Um,
2: I think it was more just a case of, like, uh, just really having a lot of ADHD and wanting uh, (laughs) something new and different to do, (laughs) honestly, uh, like, genuinely. Um, I just was kind of uh, looking for something interesting. But, you know, definitely having gone through a lot of, you know, a significant amount of different platforms, there are definitely those uh, eccentricities that you see, Hold over you know when you're working in a in a print newsroom everything still is all based around you know the 6 p.m print deadline or whatever it might be when you know that what is you know probably what 10 percent of your audience I don't actually know the real numbers but you know a tiny fraction of the audience is actually going to be buying the physical paper and I think I've seen a lot uh, about how newsrooms can kind of be tied down and hampered a little bit by that that those sort of legacy aspects which I think is you know part of the reason of being at the Guardian and and being at a place that's primarily a website uh, in in Australia at least was kind of what made this work and what you know there weren't necessarily all that that kind of anchors and I think yeah it was just interesting in terms of I I think there was definitely moments at uni where I was like is there something wrong with me that I want to be a journalist yet I never have any inclination or wish to you know buy a physical paper or to turn on the news like at a certain time. i you know i would do it because obviously it's like this is what i wanted to do but i'm like am i just bad that i'm interested in news but don't have an interest in kind of these mediums and kind of i don't know just guilt and trying to prove that i was a real journalist still yeah. and you know was part of me wanting to um kind of create things on on different platforms, definitely.
0: But honestly, it was more just, uh, like, this seems... Uh, fun and I want to do it. It was kind of the more the vibe. Matilda, do you have... I'm really interested to know as well because, um, again, we're talking to, you know, I don't know where the age divide is in my brain when I'm saying young people and, you know, traditional news consumers. I guess it's probably people who've grown up, you know, completely with their lives online, which is, um, you know, still necessarily not too young. But one thing that i guess if you've grown up that way is the the um immediacy that you have to anyone that you're talking to you can feed back to almost anyone and obviously that's something that's not available with um more sort of i mean there's comment sections but you're not ha- it's not interactive you're not talking directly to an to a, a writer and um in an age of, of mistrust with the news i wonder how important you think that it, that is with a younger audience you know, Know, being able to sort of feed back to you or comment on your work on on TikTok.
2: Yeah, it's exceeding it's it's extremely important and even um just uh, you know uh, people being able to sort of feel that they know the person I think mm. genuinely does authenticity, do, yeah make a big difference you know like I, I mean it's not like a particularly new or revolutionary idea like that's been the whole idea behind news anchors for you know forever as long as there's been tv is that you have mm. a, this person that is in your home every night and you know them you, you feel like you know them and you trust what they're going to say um and, but that i think that immediacy and that feedback and that ability like and to have that audience sort of right there uh you know is a bit of like a blessing and a curse in terms of like um you know when you have a bad day you like have an absolutely terrible day um (laughs) but also i think there's like a responsibility and accountability that you end up feeling there isn't that yeah there isn't that separation of it's just your name on a byline um and you know the worst that could happen is an angry email or two and i think you know sometimes that makes your journalism better sometimes that makes your journalism more mm. you know timid and and people mm. i'm not just speaking about me here but like in in general i know a lot of people who uh, that's a big part of the work that they really struggle with it's what keeps a lot of people away from doing stuff like this and it also you know affects the kind of stories that um people are willing to sort of even touch and i think that's where that becomes really damaging and that's the bad side of it but you know there's also that good side of You know, I there's an audience that is very direct and very there that you don't want to let down and you want to be providing all the context. And, you know, there's a responsibility, I think, that comes with being able to see all the comments and all the numbers about, you know, exactly the message that you're wanting to be sending into the world that you know, I think has made me a better journalist at the end of the day, um, even if, you know, there are negatives that come with that.
0: Do you think that, um, uh, you know, news organisations need to have different kinds of supports for journalists nowadays? Do you think that they're um, keeping up to speed in terms of, you know, creating safe workplaces and that sort of thing in light of that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, once again, I've kind of been the lucky end of that, where I've been in a newsroom that has been very conscious about uh, mental health and things like that. But I, I, yeah, I do worry about sometimes if people weren't in that. And especially when you are at a workplace where all your your bosses, their only interaction they understand about that is, you know, comments. From, from on an article that you may or may not check and is a hard to see and, you know, or like letters to the editor and whatnot, I think it can be very hard to understand for people to understand exactly the kind of stakes that are on the line for young journalists. And especially, mm. you know, I think that was that was part of what I was learning to deal with is, you know, in terms of what what I'm wearing matters and, you know, what I, people will judge based on my, you know, outfit or like makeup and things like that about whether, you know, I kind of am worthy of, of say telling that story or whatnot, or you know, um, and that was difficult to comprehend. That was sort of difficult to get my head around at the start. But again, I, I've been in a very supportive place. But yeah, I do sometimes see young journo's out there and doing it, and you know, you sort of look at the comment section and you just really hope that you've they've got a good support there mm. and they've got a team who can go through those comments and it's not just them sitting alone in their room having to deal with that. I think that is something, especially when you're putting your reporters' faces out there and you're relying on them having a connection with the audience to build that you know, to to build your news platform, you absolutely have a responsibility to make sure that you are then supporting them through the tough bit of of being a person with a you know, at least a semi public personality to some degree
0: are there any news stories that you feel like that sort of style of journalism of of video journalism that very sort of immediate style of video journalism is not right for
2: um, I mean, there's a lot of news stories that, you know, in Australia, <laughs> our defamation laws make it very difficult. Uh, um, yeah, but, of course. Uh, from, you know, just generally. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, from more of like a, it's perspective, it is some, definitely something I think about quite a lot. There's certain, you know, there's also that question of when you have a person with a face to the story, you know, am I necessarily the right face? for mm. that story and, and things like that. And, you know, um, uh, there's, that, there's that sort of question about, you know, uh, should there, you know, is this some, a different person's story to tell, really? Um, I think yeah. there's definitely been topics that it's just not going to be, I wouldn't have been able to do them justice in you know, whether it's one minute or three minutes, you know, whatever the time limit of the, that the sort of uh, social media gods decide to give us on any given day, um, uh, you know, uh, that just, it's not worth it. Um, but I think a lot of the times, the, you know, it's just, you're not going to do the story justice, but I think a lot of the time when it seems like, oh, that's too complicated or that's too dry or that's, you know, you uh, know, that's kind of when you need that. You know, the moment that you kind of think that a story would be boring on social media is kind of like, okay, no, no, we need... That's probably actually what people are going to struggle to get an article about. That's when we need to actually really think about how we can jazz it up and, you know, make it something that's engaging. I think the real question is, you know, when you have very real human suffering on the line and and things Mm. like that. But, uh, you know, so far, like, I, I covered the earthquake this week. I think it's just about tone and respect and deciding what images you're going to be putting on the screen when you're not have you're not, it's not someone consciously deciding to click through everything you know, you're, you're just putting images in front of someone's face, mm. you need to be conscious of that so I think there is, you know most of the time there's a way to convey that in this sort of format, it just you tweaks the format a bit um, but yeah, it's more uh, I guess about just the time limit of is it Am I? Are people going to leave this video with an accurate view of what's going on if I try to explain it in that time? And if they're not, then, you know, you need to sort of think again about it. And, and you know, again, that's been something that I've been learning and, and figuring out and figuring out what's possible and what's not as I've gone along.
0: Um, we won't keep you l- much longer, Matilda, but I, my ears pricked up and um, when you talked about... Um, ADHD, and I did see that you've you're right, you've taken some time out to write a book on it. And as a, a fellow um, uh, ADHD brainer, I've, I always find it somewhat ironic that um, you know that that. There are books on ADHD because God knows it's hard to get to the end of a book. However, I'm sure yours will be incredibly entertaining. Can you tell us a bit about that?
2: Uh, Yes. Also very much coming out in audiobook form because there's no way I would read it. uh, I've I've written it in a conscious way so that it will be good for audiobooks. Yeah, look, I'm writing – yeah, but currently it's – I don't know actually how much. Oh, you're allowed to talk about it? Okay. I don't even know. But, yes, about ADHD, kind of the things I wish I had known in my first year after diagnosis and things like that and a bit of the, you know, trying to unpack the what is fact and what is fiction in this kind of world where we have, uh, you know, speaking of TikTok, a lot of content out there about ADHD, not all of it coming from the most reputable sources.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, will um, look forward to that. When, when, when will it be released? I
2: don't
0: know if okay. I can say <laughs> Okay, well as, as soon as we know, we shall share that with our listeners. My, my ADHD brain can't hold that, that level of
2: information
1: in there <laughs> I can relate Yeah. Alright, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us, that was a really really great chat. Brilliant, thanks
0: so much <laughs> We're getting into the boomers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we're well, well well we're not. We're not. No, I think no. I think we're talking more about media framing and yes. whose whose voice gets prominence and in some ways it relates back to um what we were talking about in a less in a slightly less serious way. It relates back to what we were talking about last week with the uh the really real prominence of the um the cosmetic nurse uh in the Northern Territory. Yeah. Uh who was given a lot of time to talk about the um horrific things that she 'd seen done uh, to indigenous children um with often no pushback uh and no real clarity about about her role uh the one that really sorry well, well
0: i just should say that, that that she had allegedly seen because it seems like she was you know she,
1: yeah whatever she 'd seen she she hadn't was seen misrepresenting recently. herself yeah um, yeah um, the one that this what sort of stuck out to me this week and again actually i, I think we we have to be fair on. There was an ABC piece about the various impediments to ownership that were faced by different generations, and I, you can probably already guess where I'm, I'm going with all of this. I actually think we should preface this um, along lines of good vibes only, but it is true. It's a decent piece. It's actually not. A, it's not a terrible piece of journalism at all. It's it's got a lot of expert comment. It goes to a lot of different people, and it 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 draws very sound conclusions. I I think this but the reason that it had quite a bit of a backlash attached to it is that it was kind of framed around um Abuma kind of uh doing the um the thing that we've come to expect them to be quoted saying in the in the media, which it's is It's just
0: such a tired trope. It, to... it is. It
1: is. It is. It's the idea of uh, well, young people these days they want their house, but they don't want to give anything up for it. They they want to go out and drink their thirty dollars cocktails and uh, and have, have expensive an phones and have and... nice shiny phones. Yeah. Uh, whereas in my day, we we gave things up and we never went out. And uh, and um, there was a couple of things about that. One, that's just a framing that is like it's been cooked up in a lab to make people annoyed. Um, it's the old smash devo. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, the other thing that was just so striking about it was the woman uh, who had been quoted saying all these things is a woman called Kerry Boylett, um, who, uh, of all the people that you were going to ask to, to say these things, it's it's just really interesting. She, um, she's been in the news quite a bit previously. She uh, used to work... But to be fair, it's prior. It's it's after the stuff that she talks about in the piece. So they could argue that it wasn't relevant to her point of view. But I I think it kind of is. Uh, she was the general manager for John Hem's uh, hospitality empire, Maryvale. Uh, which, if that rings a bell, it might be because they are currently facing yep. like a hundred million dollars worth of alleged wage for that in a big class action lawsuit. Um, she was a trusted lieutenant for for that company. That's how she's been described in in Daily Telegraph reporting, where she inherited two million dollars of that fortune. The only person outside his family uh, to to get any money. Uh, it's interesting that, that 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 impulse, that that influence on her view of what it is to make sacrifices and how you get a decent home. Was not mentioned by the piece, and perhaps mm. it should have been.
0: It's just an, uh, disappointing. I mean, y- you make the point that the rest of the article is good, but this just lets it down completely because it, you know, uh, one, it's it's con- it's just so easily refuted that point of view if you yeah. just immediately, which the, which the piece then
1: does, mm. uh, which is why it's it's sort of like, well, why is why do we need that particular why voice was, yeah. in, the, in the first place? I suppose the, the argument you could put forward is well it's it's a view that a lot of people have we're we're ventilating it so that we can then address it and give it context but still <laughs> yeah I, I mean the, the other one the the much more frivolous one is uh where do you sorry do you have
0: oh uh, uh, no i I mean I just uh, you know I, I don't have much more to say on that piece other than yeah it just it's just unfortunate that that they have to even keep, roll to your point, keep mm. ventilating it. That you, yeah, they yeah, feel yeah, yeah. like they need to add that sort of very tired kind of both sides in point of view when we're living in a housing crisis like we've yeah, never yeah. seen before. Yeah. So it just seems so unnecessary to have to and, do and that. And
1: by the way, uh, so Kerry so Boylett is, is uh, 68, I believe, uh, and that is a cohort. Uh, women 55 to 75 are as, F- as affected by housing crisis F- issues. Still the fastest, the fastest growing, growing homeless homelessness demographic in yep. the country. Um, maybe that would have been something I'd like to hear a bit more about. Yeah. Um, oh, and also I, I just, I'm just fascinated, not even – this isn't even really a criticism. I'm just baffled as to how Kerry Boylett came to be the person involved in this article. Um, I
0: mean it does say something for – and this is a different conversation but, you know, journalists, you know, there is – the news does – it goes so fast and under a lot of pressure to find a comment and find yeah. a source and find a voice – and, you know, it's funny, I get these, um, uh, I, don't, I, I was signed up to these, um, because, you know, because I have a business and someone told me to and I just never, I always delete them. But these emails from this thing, website called Source Bottle, I don't know if you've heard oh, yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, so far, yeah, And, you know, journalists often um that it's when they're looking for sources for stories, mm. you know, experts on things, and it's pretty funny. The you know, urgently seeking witches. Have you ever had a haunting <laughs> that around Halloween? They're all the same, you know, yeah. and you know, around Valentine's Valentine's I don't know Day. They wherever yeah, they were. Yeah. Urgently seeking people who've been ghosted, you know, and all <laughs> yeah. this sort of shit. Yeah. Um, but so you you kind of get a sense, and it's like you know, please respond within the hour. You mm, know, mm. The, there's a huge amount of pressure to find oh, someone, content. and it's like, yep, yeah, we've got someone who will make the comment. But at the same time. To your point, it's like this: it's one very quick. You have to Google everyone these days, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just hard not to see that that was intentional. But anyway, who knows? Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, you, and you do make actually a very good point that that, and, and that, that is a real sympathy I have with any journalist who gets caught up in something like mm. this. Is I'm sorry, I had a deadline and they answered the phone. Yeah, exactly. Like, and sometimes that is yeah. old, honestly something that does drive. Um, and there's, there's, I mean, there's a handful we did. Peace and Crikey a few years ago, which I'm sure is still relevant, being like the only experts on each area of public policy in this country, because they're all they're the people, um, people like Tuomi, who's a constitutional expert, uh, people like Andrew Stewart, who's an employment law expert. They are, and by the way, these guys are great. And th- those guys, in particular, I'm talking about because I call them a lot, and they are very, very uh, reasoned, very, very intelligent, very expert. Their expertise is unquestionable. But they're also the people that are most likely to. They'll make a better time for you if you if you want to chat about something. Mm. Uh, and so, as a result, you get this kind of uniform of of, of views often with these yeah. things. Yeah.
0: Um, the other one, in a in a um, in a meme writ large, <laughs> we fi- have found ourselves probably for the first time ever on the same page, um, drinking the same wine, <laughs> 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 with the same reaction to a particular column. As uh, let me go through here, Sky News thread W. <laughs> <laughs> 2tbnews.com.au in response to a an accusation of ageism by uh one Jane Caro in an opinion piece in The Age Let's talk about that. Let's unpack that I, yeah, a little.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's so strange. Uh it's one of the strange it's, it's a very strange piece. Um Essentially, she she recounts that you know uh, her her husband is a very avuncular and easygoing guy and strikes up conversations with anyone. And then he came home from the bakery very upset because the guy behind the counter said, "And what can I do for you, young man?" And she was like, "We deserve respect as older people. How dare you make these kinds of jokes?" She is. She said it. It was. It's a just. It is the strangest thing. Maybe it's more of an English thing, but I think the. Seeing a a man of literally any age, you're a person in the service industry, someone, a a bloke of literally any (laughs) age comes in and you say, and what can I do for you, young man? That's actually quite a common, that's not a weird thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the most offensive version of it. It is gently playful. Yes. (laughs) Um, uh, but 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 it spins out to an entire column. It about, spins out about to an ageism.
0: entire column without at any moment stopping and just thinking. A young guy in a very busy bakery mm. on a Saturday morning. The next. Looks up to the next person in line and simply greets them Yes, to sell them their bread before they move on to the 30 other people. Yeah, they've been
1: up since 4 a.m. Is
0: not going to be formulating in their head, oh, look at this old guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say something to take the piss out of his age. Do you I mean, know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah, just yeah, for seems sure. so yeah. incongruous that someone would do that. And I guess the point in bringing this up in, in combination with the other. article is is this something is this one of those topics that um
1: editors do like to stoke you know by yeah 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 i I know what you mean the 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 idea of the hate click and um like that's the thing is i remember uh, because it
0: did it did get it's like uh, you know you literally only have to put Jane Caro into Google today, and there's uh, you know um, response after response after response from every other media outlines or media, you know, outlet in hmm. the country. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's rage farming to create a a tornado yeah, yeah. within the, that everyone can talk about. It, it just creates a an opinion for everyone you, to discuss. I never discuss. know with that
1: stuff whether that's ever something that's consciously contemplated. I'm sure in yeah. some cases it must be. I, 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 or you know. it's
0: just like Jane's like, shit, i got to write a column.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck, what am I going to
0: do? <laughs> yeah. Deadline's in an hour. <laughs> honey. What happened to you today?
1: Oh, that'll do. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, she does seem genuinely quite angry. She's like, you might die young, sir, but if you don't, someone might once very mildly refer to your vintage. It's very strange. It's a very strange piece. Um, And actually, it's funny. I mean, speaking of sort of rage farming, this is a piece, and the, the next one we're going to talk about was the same thing, where you see people talking about it, and then you have to go and find out. You know, you see people on Twitter. So I remember, yeah, someone tweeted something like like, imagine you're working up for minimum wage in a bakery. And the next thing you know, Jane Catrow is accusing you of a hate crime. And I was like, okay, so I've got to find out what that's about. Well, there you go.
0: There you go. Anything for um, anything for readership these days. So the piece we're going to end with today is I didn't even need to read it before I f- had to flick it to you, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. I just read the headline. <laughs> I was like, oh, here we go. It's um, – the headline is Chat GPT might be the next thing, next big thing, but it's a biased, woke robot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's it terminated, but worse. <laughs> so.
0: Guess the newspaper <laughs> um, I won't leave you in suspense it's um, the Daily Telegraph So um, I, the first, I have to read the first paragraph because it's just like oh my god um, the internet's buzzing about chat GPT which already just sounds like something from um, it sounds
1: like something that chat GBT would come up yes, with about exactly. itself
0: <laughs> if you just said write an article about chat GPT it would say the internet's buzzing about <laughs> chat GPT Um, and I shall go on, the artificial intelligence machine chatbot that supposedly writes better than the smartest human you've ever
1: met. (laughs) (laughs) No one has ever said that.
0: (laughs) Clarissa, where did you get that from? Because I have not read that at all. All I've read is about the fact that ChatGPT might take your job, but it's also quite flawed because all it does is hoover up anything and everything from the corners of the internet and spit it out again because it's a robot, Clarissa. But then she goes on to take such personal
1: offence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, so there's a lot that she asks it to do to sort of prove her point that it is a, uh, it has been infected by the woke mind virus like everything these days. Oh, um, no,
0: this bit. I decided to check it out myself after users began calling it woke GPT and complained it wouldn't write a poem praising Donald Trump, but happily did one for
1: Joe Biden. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, a bit a bit of context. And actually, the, the funny thing is, the, 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 I, I wrote about this after you told me about it, because I, I steal <laughs> all the content that you give me. Uh, um, but, uh that this sort of strip springs from a, a, a sort of a series of conservatives have tried to make ChatGPT use the N word.
0: Oh. They've tried to trick it
1: into doing that, and it's refusing. So that's where partly where this meme comes oh, that's from. My,
0: so they've anthropomorphised it. Yes. just Or into some kind of – so it's like some kind of – And it refuses because form. it's got filtered
1: it's, – it's, yeah. Um, so
0: they're angry at it like it's a person. Like, like it's, it's a person. Like as, it's a as, woke as, person. As the
1: Daily Telegraph continues to be. Uh, so so uh, the author asks it to write various poems praising various figures. The thing is is she completely goes against her own point because the people that she asks it to write about are um, Trump, Biden, Matt Keane, George Pell, Robert Askin, Gladys Berejikian – Perrottet and Bruce Pascoe. Um, So it refuses uh, Pell and Trump on various ethical grounds that it wouldn't be good to praise this person because they've been accused of certain things or they've promoted illegal activities. Um, uh, But then it writes very happily about Matt Keane, who is a member of the Liberal Party, about Clarice Berejiklian, who was a former uh, Liberal Premier. The funny one, it, it seems to make the mistake that it thinks Dom Perite is Dom Perignon and writes about him <laughs> like he's champagne. And she's like, stupid machine, this is bollocks. It's, it's, very, it's very strange. She gets oh very, God. very angry at it for not being very good at poetry. I'm just
0: reading the questions that she put into it. It's mm. just like, I mean, the thing is she's being childish for a start, like incredibly childish with sure, these sure. questions. So I'm not going to read out all of them, but things like, why is the Australian ABC so left-wing? Why is Sky News so right wing? Why is Peter Credlin so popular? Like, come on,
1: lady. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, so, so. The, I mean, she she thinks it's, there's some sort of conspiracy because it will write about, um, it won't write about George Pell, but it will write about Rob Askin. Rob Askin was uh, the first Liberal Premier of New South Wales, and was after he died accused of corruption. Um, but that again, what does that prove? That proves that it will write about a conservative who's been accused of crimes. So,
0: but also that um, she says that um, when it writes about Peter Credlin, it says while not everyone agrees with Credlin's perspectives, she has carved out a unique niche in Australian media. So she she calls that negative. Mm. And when she it's asked it about, mild. She, she asked it about Laura Tingle, and she's like, and it used words like respected, insightful, one of the nation's leading political commentators. Is she equating? Is she putting Peter Credlin on Laura Tingle's level? <laughs> I mean, she's just. <laughs> <laughs> crazy like she's proving the point that it literally just sucks up information yeah. from the internet and, and, and spits to, it back to, out
1: so to just really quickly end on that to the extent that it does that ai does have issues with race it's widely documented that it's in the other direction exactly. with things like facial recognition anyway we can't get into that now and that's all for this week thanks for listening you can find us every week on your favorite podcast platform
0: and you can follow us on twitter at nadj at lily juice
1: and at The Shuffle Diary.
0: You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.